In Riley v. First State Bank, 2024, ARC App 142, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a money judgment and rejected arguments that a settlement had been reached. Judge Gruber reasoned, quote, Having reviewed the emails, the circuit court then ruled that the parties had come close but never consummated a deal that was enforceable. It denied the motion to enforce settlement, emphasizing the lack of a signed release. End of quote. Emails. The Court of Appeals ruled that emails were properly allowed on the question of whether there was a settlement between the attorneys. But once the trial court ruled there was no settlement, they were correctly disallowed. Quote, Roger first contends on appeal that the circuit court erred when it ruled that the emails were inadmissible. He argues that the emails were admissible pursuant to Arkansas Rule of Evidence 408, as well as several other rules of evidence and doctrines. The bank responds that the only real issue on appeal is whether the parties, through their respective counsels, reached a full settlement of the lawsuit. The bank does not take issue with the admission of the emails for the purpose of showing whether a settlement was reached. Rather, it argues that in circumstances such as these, where there was no settlement reached, the emails are not admissible at a trial on the merits, which is what the judgment reflected. In other words, the emails were no longer admissible. Roger is correct that the emails were admissible for making that determination, but the bank is also correct. The record makes clear that the emails were admitted solely for the purposes of Roger's motion and were considered by the circuit court prior to its determination that no agreement had been reached. Lack of a final agreement Here, the emails exchanged make clear that neither party was fully satisfied with any version of the proposed release. Rogers' counsel clearly contemplated that the bank may request revisions to the release given his express inquiry regarding such. Thus, it should not have come as a surprise when the bank did just that with respect to the tax liability and the issuance of a 1099. Moreover, it was Rogers' counsel who objected in the first instance to the inclusion of the tax liability language in the release. The emails reflected that, even assuming the bank's counsel had carte blanche authority to negotiate and agree to any terms he believed were warranted, there was clearly no agreement between the attorneys, let alone the parties, regarding tax liability. End of quote. End of decision.